if you're anything like me, and judging by the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you probably are, Strava Craft Coffee could change your life. I'm not even joking. It's CBD-infused coffee that you can purchase in K-Cups for your Keurig and whole bean or ground. You purchase online for 20% off using code DNVR20, and they will ship it to you. This, uh, it's, it's too much to say it's a miracle drug, but anything less feels like too much less. It can help with long-term migraines, decreasing anxiety, arthritis, IBS, all the things that just typically come with drinking coffee, whether it's crashes after a little while or uh, having to deal with jitters while you're drinking it or having too much of an anxious kind of energy. Strava Craft Coffee cuts through all of that stuff. Uh, it's perfect in these times where you don't want to get away from your coffee drinking routine, but maybe you don't want to be quite so wired while you're hopefully staying indoors. So remember to purchase online and use that promo code DNVR20 to get 20% off your entire purchase. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two run, home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two run, home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag. I actually had another podcast that I thought was going to go up. And I wasn't able to get it done because of some technical difficulties. So I'm recording this a little bit later in the day and getting it out on a Sunday evening, which is rare, but it's something that we need to do because we need to take care of all of the people that have been taking care of us during this uh, difficult time. And, and if you've been wondering, hey, you know, I hope the people at DNVR are okay and you want to know how you can do that, well, you can do that in a lot of fun ways that help you out, best of which getting some Breck Brew. You can get yourself uh, that 15-pack sampler. You can get it through. Uh, Drizzly is doing a, a deliveries. If you live close enough to the location in Littleton, swing by, get a food order, uh, help out our friends, uh, or, or just get some delivery there. Uh, it, it'll be really good for you. If not, find some at a liquor store nearby. As we all know, those are essential. They're out there. <laughs> we have decided that that is essential as well. We should. Uh, so uh, one of the things that I, I figured I could do uh, in a bit of a scramble here to figure out what to do for this podcast was uh, get to some of the mail that I have missed over the last couple of weeks, stuff that I've seen and said, yeah, I'll get back to that. But as we've shifted gears, it's it's felt weird. You know, where do I jump in with some of these questions that some of them have more to do with? You know, the season we thought we were going to have some just kind of comments and questions as we've moved through this uh, and some even on what we've been doing. There's a really interesting and provocative one here I want to get to on uh, the Ken Burns documentary that we've been watching. And I, w I want to begin with that. And I'm honestly not 100 percent sure that this email that I received from Ryan, thank you very much, um, was for public consumption, if for no other reason than it's like 30,000 words long. And it's, it's a lovely novel uh, that you've written, Ryan. And I did read the whole thing. Um, but I, I, I feel I can kind of cut to the center of it. Uh, but I do want to read parts of it because I, I feel like it, it's fair to let your argument sort of um, speak for itself. And Basically, what Ryan is writing in about here is the portrayal of Ty Cobb in Ken Burns' 
baseball documentary. And I'm, I'm skipping past uh, some of the very interesting things he, he did write to me about uh, Ken Burns himself. And it's always good to know uh, the source and the perspective of the documentarian. And there's always going to be uh, varying opinions on uh, that person. And maybe at the end of this whole thing, we could do a, a little bit of a, a deeper dive on Ken Burns himself. I, I think that could be interesting and, and valuable and worthy of, the, of our time. I'm not currently prepared to do that. I, I do want to check in on some of the resources that Ryan sent me here. But I, I want to get really into this. You know, as he says, uh, there, there. He actually he mentions a book, and I'll I'll call it here. A new book written in 2016 called Ty Cobb, a terrible beauty, which supposedly he says debunks the whole myth of Ty Cobb equals terrible person, right? And I, I think we have, by and large, um, accepted the portrayal of. Cobb in the Ken Burns documentary. I will say a bit on our behalf. I, uh, you know, there there are a lot of quotes from people in the documentary from from teammates and players, unless those quotes are inaccurate. And I'll check out the book. And you know, I, I will say this: I was familiar with the fact that there is a counter argument out there that there is a, a segment of the population that is uh, in belief that. Um, basically that there was this biographer who created this narrative around Ty Cobb as, as being a more terrible person than he actually was in real life. And not only that, I was at a, uh, a banquet, a Sabre banquet several years ago where the great-grandson, I believe, or just grandson, because the grandson of Ty Cobb uh, spoke uh, very passionately to that effect. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I hope that we did was acknowledge the three-dimensionalness of it. I don't think three-dimensionalness is a word, but it's going to be for today's podcast. <laughs> the word of the podcast today is three-dimensionalness. Um, I hope that we did a decent job of that, and I've tried to point out several times, uh, you know, that he played at the charity event and that he, he you know, fought in a war. And I think that those things in general speak to another, if not even another side of a person, a, a, a deeper, certainly you can't turn somebody into a caricature. And I would never suggest, and, and this I think is just a pretty good practice to keep in mind, that seeing somebody in a movie, whether it be a two and a half hour, you know, biopic, <laughs> biopic, 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 I'm pretty sure, or a documentary as extensive as the one that we've been going through, you can't know all the details or, or really know. It's tough to, in, in my view, we're getting a little bit real here. And, and I, w I will say this, Ryan, that uh, it, my biggest defense for not getting too much into this is that by and large, you know, ultimately this is a baseball podcast. And so I tried to skim over the issue. Um, I don't know to what extent this podcast, or really any, um, is going to be able to dive into the life and times of a man who lived now almost 100 years ago and really figure that stuff out. Um, I don't know. I think it would be interesting, but I, I don't think it would be conclusive. Um, and on a Rockies podcast, there's only so much we can do. But I do want to entertain any further conversation whenever any of you bring it to my attention. So, you know, I, I really appreciate this email. And um, he did end it with a, a very nice note about uh, his opinion on the quality of our podcast. I won't read it because it would be self-serving. <laughs> but, but I appreciated that as well. But um, if anyone wants to hear us dive into that uh, a little bit further, we can. Um, his grandson's name is Herschel Cobb. He actually spoke 
uh, at something. Uh, Brad Lidge was a, a speaker that night as well, uh, Colorado ball player. And, um, you know, yeah, he wasn't just this guy in the documentary, and he wasn't just a baseball player, and he wasn't just a whatever his opinions on race were. He was also a grandfather and a soldier, and uh, he did charity work. And, yeah, people are just, you know, I, I let, me, let me finish my thought that I think I was sort of walking up to a moment ago, and then we'll move on, I promise. Um, but, but it is this. I shudder every once in a while to think, what if somebody made... A, a movie or a documentary, however long it was, or wrote a book, you know, about my life. I've been through some pretty weird and strange, nuanced things where if looked at in a certain way, I could come off like a total victim. And if looked at in another way, I could come off like a real a-hole. And it just, you know, it you, you wonder, you know, who tells the story of your life and how much power does that person have? And so... I think all of this stuff should be uh, taken with a grain of salt. One of the things that where you know I, I started to talk about Ted Williams and feeling like he he was kind of a little bit of a a, a manscaper, uh, <laughs> I believe is what I was getting up on. And, and but it was it had more to do with like well you know uh, he was actually there saying some things that I was you know but we don't have that with some of these other guys and and it's difficult to know the personality of people from such a long time ago. Uh, since I brought it up, you got to know that Manscaped is one of our newest partners. Of course you know that. We're super excited to have them because we get to make all kinds of fun and exciting jokes. But not only that, I got to tell you, and this may be a TMI situation, but it works. I've tried it out. Everything fantastic. Look, you can let yourself go, fellas. I know it can happen. You're staying at home not going out much, you feel like you're just letting it all go. The beard, I've let the face stuff go, but the downstairs, you got to keep that tight. You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it clean. That lawnmower, nice and smooth, not going to nick you. You don't want to get any nicks. That can be super uncomfortable. But I got to tell you, the boxers and the the scent, there's a bunch of different little things. There's, there's some deodorant. There's a spritzer. There's a little... I don't know. There's another third thing that I'm pretty sure I'm using correctly. But what I do know is that they all smell fantastic. I've never smelled this good in my life. I've never felt this fresh. You got to try Manscaped. You get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. I'm telling you, even if you feel silly about it now, you're going to think, how have I not been doing this my whole life it really is going to make you feel good, and it's going to make whoever else has to deal with that situation feel phenomenal. I promise you it's going to be a win for all involved. All right, let's get into some of these less heavy emails, uh, uh, but still some interesting ones. I got one here from uh, Christopher who says uh, th there's a little bit of an intro that I'm going to skip, but uh, since he mentions here, to my point, uh, the NHL and MLB, he says, both have loyal fan base who miss the basic joys of the game. Having a game on in the background is great for work, house chores, or just messing about. Messing about. Oh, that's right. He says at the bottom he's in Oxford. I should have been reading it in an accent. I'm not going to. Don't worry. Because I'd probably get the, the region incorrect. I would shoot for a random British accent that I've heard Eddie Izzard do. And I wouldn't know if it was supposed to be if it was south of London or Cockney or Liverpool. I don't, I don't know any of this stuff. I'd be off. So question, he says, uh, why doesn't MLB and the NHL, which already have great apps, make all past games in their library available to fans? I think even a $19.99 to $39.99 fee would be acceptable for fans. That way we can replay whole seasons during our long wait indoors. Have you heard anything like this happening? Strange and unusual times need strange and unusual solutions. Thank you all for uh, thank you for all you're doing. Happy with it. thank you, Christopher. Thank you. <laughs> um, so no, I I haven't heard anything about this happening, and it's honestly a disappointment. You know, it hadn't really occurred to me, and it's largely because of I kind of know the way these guys think and. 
I just don't think they're going to do something like that. Uh, they've rolled out some games, and we're going to be taking advantage of that starting uh, on Monday. So tomorrow from when I'm recording this, probably today from when you're hearing it, we're going to begin uh, watching the key games of the 2018 season, uh, the 21 games that sort of got the Rockies to where they ended up, which was in that wild card game in Chicago. And we'll, we'll be reliving the best moments and best games of that whole thing. So, uh, and, and they've made those available on YouTube and, and through a whole thing that they're doing. And so, you know, I want to give them credit for being, to some degree, proactive on this. But it really wasn't until I got your email that it occurred to me that this is a thing that should already exist. And it's kind of weird that it doesn't. And there's a precedent for it. In fact, I've got it on right now. In fact, in the middle of my answer to your question, I paused WrestleMania 36 Part 2. They were doing some in-between stuff. They're getting ready to do a thing I want to see. And as a part of that app that I paid $10 a month for, I can watch every old pay-per-view, every old show. I mean, literally thousands of shows hundreds of thousands of hours of just archived content that's right there at my fingertips to watch. Why is this not a thing in MLB, NHL, NFL, NBA? People would pay for it. Christopher would pay for it. I would pay for it. You, listening to this now, you would pay for it. Why is this not? I, I'm, I, I turn your question back on you, Christopher. I do not know. I do not have the answer to this. I, I think it's just that there's a certain control, you know, they have over it and they can, you know, unleash things at certain times. But they've always been really weird about their rights and about replays and about saving things for specialty shows that they can put on MLB Network and give you the best nine whatevers and they, they think you won't need that if you can just go and watch stuff whenever you want you know you would still watch those countdowns and so would i this should be a thing this should massively be a thing people should be working on it to make it a thing if they're not right now we should all be calling our senators and making this a top priority okay a third or fourth priority <laughs> um but no i i would you know it, it is kind of too bad that that's not something that already exists and i wouldn't think it would be too hard considering that the wwe can do it uh, to put something together so that fans can watch all the old games anyone they want from from any time like um i guess there are probably rights issues now that i'm like thinking it through uh, you know they've been Owned by different organizations, you know, it used to be Rocky Mountain, and, and then it was AT&T, and there's all kinds of, so yeah, I don't know, that's probably the problem, but you would think that the leagues would also have rights to show all of their games, so, uh, um, all right, got another one here from Douglas, uh, who, and, and this one actually came in right before stuff started getting weird, but let's go back to the before time and um, talk about this a little bit because it was something that I meant to is actually something I was going to do um, a whole big thing on and then you know we stopped playing baseball or doing anything else but you know we he, he got a, a first off a obligatory long time first time um, said, said uh, okay, I'm getting past the funny stuff at the beginning. Sorry, I'm not going to read that first sentence. Uh, he wanted to know about the baseballs, right? Um, it wanted to know if I had gone and checked. Uh, sorry if you missed. Uh, you, you didn't miss. I didn't get into it yet. But whether or not the baseballs, if I had actually gotten down uh, the scoop on the feel of the spherical object that was the bane of baseball last year. I wanted to make sure... I got some of your poetry in there, Douglas. Thank you so much for sending it my way. I did. I was able to, and we're all, it's just among us now, right? There's no one, 
No one listening? Your families are all in the other rooms? I was able to touch a baseball at spring training. And yes, it felt much different. Better, uh, malleable. I have a ball from last year, and it was just a rock. You couldn't move the leather around on it. So, yes, I, I still don't know. I've read through a bunch of times now MLB's official statement back at winter meetings about the baseballs. It's unclear what they're actually admitting to and what they're not still. The lawyer language on it is really fantastic, just really built in to make it sound like they really did nothing wrong while admitting that like they clearly did something wrong. But as long as they've fixed it, I'm not going to harp on it too much. And until I see it in action a bit more, I will say I could even feel it at spring training. Uh, th there was stuff that it just seemed like, yeah, last year that would have carried out. With the, with the other baseball, that would have carried out. Some of these innings would really be getting a lot more out of control. Some of these swings would be producing. So um, hopefully when baseball comes back. But I was able to get my hands on one, not for very long, uh, kind of to throw it back in. It was a bit of a luck situation. Somebody just happened to hit one my way when I was out on the backfields, and I assume that they're using the same baseballs they should be. Um, and I, I talked to some people off record about it as well, and they were kind of saying the same thing. You know, it's a little bit early, but, yeah, it, it's different. It just – and it was for the postseason. That's the thing. It's like we – it's kind of an open secret that they changed it for the postseason, which is really, really damned infuriating, and it's like scandal number six – in Major League Baseball now, and like obviously not a top priority for anybody right now, and it shouldn't be, but whenever things get back to normal, that needs to be readdressed. So thank you for sending in uh, that question. I wanted to do one more email uh, before getting into a, a Twitter question that's slightly more personal in nature, but where is it? Ah, here's the email. Uh, comes from Laurel. Uh, long time, long time. Uh, Laurel's one of our most loyal listeners, and we love her. Uh, let me say, uh, basically, I, I was trying to find, a, again, I'm trying not to read the entire email here, um, but she said, I heard you say on a recent podcast uh, with the DNVR All-Star panel that you don't know Jeff Breidich very well. I assume you're talking about the Denver Sports Podcaster. Hopefully everyone subscribed to that feed. Uh, do you think he wants to remain a mystery? Perhaps there's a level of control he feels in doing so. Uh, she, she writes, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and be as fair as I can imagine, um, but uh, you know, somewhat disappointed in, in the manner that Nolan and everyone has, has, you know, handled all this stuff. But uh, I, I want to take it sort of, again, this was a question from the before times, but uh, I want to take it because I didn't answer the part about Jeff Breidich's, you know, personality or, or how well do I know him or, or does he want to remain a mystery? And I will say I don't think that he purposefully wants to remain a mystery I think he purposefully wants his business dealings to remain a mystery. And I think he goes, in my view, sometimes too far in trying to achieve that. I think he shuts out the press in ways like not he doesn't always. And he's, you know, been very kind to me and very uh, open to me. But I do think that his attitude toward the press at times is it doesn't matter what I say or do you guys are just going to tear me apart so I would rather just never talk to you and I would rather our players never talk to you and I would really just you know he, he thinks that what's best for business is for everything to be done in-house 
And there are times where you're like, I can't totally argue against that. It's probably not best when things leak and, you know, drama gets out. That certainly wasn't good that the drama that got out for the Rockies in the offseason did. And, you know, that's tough. But I, I do think that he has a tendency to undersell the need of the press and the need to create a good relationship with the fans. And it looks like, you know, at times uh, the need to create a good relationship with the players. Uh, One of the things that Rachel wrote in there was that she feels like he can come off as smug and you're not alone in that. Uh, I will say that I think that that's uh, back to an earlier conversation, uh, an easy sort of two dimensional conclusion to reach that isn't, you know, it's rooted in some truth, but I, I honestly don't get the sense that Jeff Bradditch thinks he's smarter or better than other people. I don't. I think he um, doesn't think he needs to explain himself, and that can sometimes be an issue. And I think that he just generally thinks, like, well, my job isn't, like, to talk and to make things sound good and to, you know, be eloquent and, uh, you know, spin a yarn. My job is to crunch numbers and evaluate baseball players and work with an owner to make sure I'm doing what he wants and work with a manager to make sure he's taken care of and uh, make sure our, our farm guys are, you know, he just thinks he's got 20 jobs to do and talking to, the media, and this is the part I don't think he always makes the the direct connection on, or 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 give enough attention to, is what I should say. Um, the fans that that through the media and and through having a good message and coming out and talking to the fans and, and doing so in a way uh, that is non antagonistic. Uh, even if he feels like, well, I'm not antagonizing the fans, I'm antagonizing the press. Um, I've never directly felt antagonized by him. And I do think he's a smart guy. And I think ultimately, if he got to play out his vision for the Rockies, they'd be a pretty darn competitive baseball team. But there's a lot of interfering factors there. That said, no, I still don't feel like I've gotten to know him very well. And that may be part of the issue right, is that uh, if he does have a close relationship with anybody in the press, it's only a handful of guys, and, you know, he could be a more out there figure. There are different schools of thought on whether or not that's useful for a GM. I come back to this, honestly, that it shouldn't matter. If the Rockies had a a president of baseball operations or a whatever, a figurehead, a guy who could do this stuff, somebody who was an eloquent speaker and knew the game really well and was great at making friends with people in the press and uh, going out and shaking hands and, and smiling and doing interviews and being on TV. Um, and, And that's kind of what Kelly McGregor did back in the day. And they they need that. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be, you know, someone who comes in and, and has oversight over Jeff. I, th- I think that can be an issue where you get into like, oh, and that guy is also the be-all, end-all on like trades and free agency. Like those need to be two different things. You need a baseball guy and you need a master of ceremonies you really do but that guy i mean he still needs to know the game he still needs to really understand and he needs to be able to go out and sell whatever the vision of jeff breidich and dick montfort is so that when you all send me questions and i say well here's what i think jeff breidich is doing and I come up with this stuff, and people go, well, why are you defending him? And I'm going, well, I'm just trying to figure out what I think he's doing. If instead there was like, well, here's what the president of, of what, give him a nice fancy title, president always sounds good, and say, here's what the president of the Rockies had to say about 
why they didn't make any moves this offseason. And the hope is that that statement would be far more reassuring and comforting to the fans, to maybe the star third baseman, to the media, so that we don't end up in a scenario where the guy whose job it is ultimately to cut people if they're not doing it well, to trade people if he's got to trade them, to sign free agents, which means getting rid of somebody else off of the 40-man roster, making those kinds of decisions, it does have to be a little bit tough and cold and calculated and all of those other things. doesn't also have to make everybody feel better. It's just a tough gig to try to ask someone to do all of those things. So that's my take on it. Ultimately, <laughs> I, I think that's the way they should go. Hey, you know what's really cool? We've got this new situation worked out with our friends over at MSU Denver Online. They're putting a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. And right now, we're all inside. So MSU Denver is the perfect thing to get into. They provide rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into classrooms. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members at DNVR are taking MSU Denver classes online this summer. So head to msudenver.edu slash online to scope all they have to offer there are over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. MSU Denver really does provide a phenomenal education. So head over to msudenver.edu slash online to check out all the great programs and classes that they offer. All right, a sip on the old strawberry sky, and we're off to one more question related to the last topic of conversation we were on here. And this one was a, a DM sent to me by Michael, and I, I let him know I was going to read it on here. Um, but I'll, I'll actually just read this whole one because I, I think it's important to dive into this um, as my attitudes on this particular subject have actually evolved over the years. He writes, You have mentioned several times on the podcast over the years that you have been seen as always siding with the Rockies, Breidich, etc. Is there a philosophical dilemma where a beat writer like yourself has to balance a critical approach versus a supportive approach where being critical can affect your access or trust with members of the organization? In other words, do you err on the side of support because it allows you to earn trust and gain better access? I also don't think you are never critical, but I do think you are like me, where understanding why people do the things they do is valuable in making the best decision when it comes to being critical. Excellent, excellent question, Michael. And I would like to believe that for the most part, it comes from that last thing you were talking about there. I have a desire to understand why people do what they do. I tend not to have knee-jerk reactions and come to quick conclusions that other people are just dumb or don't know what they're talking about because I feel like that it just leaves out so much color and flavor and interestingness in life. And so to take one of my most infamous examples of this, the year in 2017 when I became the poster child for defending Ian Desmond, if you were to go back and look at my statements and, and pull them out and just write them down and look at them, you would find I was largely correct in what I was saying. There was a, there was a tone and there was an atmosphere at the time that I was driving hard against. But he's not the worst player in the National League, and the Rockies shouldn't cut him, aren't you know, quite the controversial positions they sound like, or certainly they, the way they did at the time when he was hitting like a buck 90. <laughs> you know? 
And so, for me, it's a combination of these things. Now, let's go back to the, we'll get back to that in just a minute. Let's do the first part of the question. I have never felt in my career at any point pressure from the organization, whether it be the people in media relations or Jeff Breidich or Dick Monfort, Bud Black, any of the players ever, that if I said or did something or wrote something negative or critical, that they would deny me access um, or, or take it out on me personally. Now, I voiced something like this on Twitter, uh, I think at the beginning of the offseason, and I had a couple of other writers hit me up in DMs and tell me that you know, they felt differently. Uh, when pressed for specifics, they, they did not give them. And so that leaves me in a tough spot because I can't make a judgment call on whether or not the Rockies would actually restrict somebody's access because they were critical. I don't believe that they would. Now, some people have a hard time telling the difference between being critical and just being a giant manscaped dick i'm i'm sorry for the but just just really you know you don't have to make it personal as long as you don't make it personal guys don't care if you report facts i say you're hitting 230 you're hitting 230 you know i you know i say so and so has struggled so far this season he's not found success with the bat no one's gonna have a problem with that if i say so-and-so is so terrible at the plate, his mother is probably embarrassed to watch him play baseball. Yeah, they might not give me an interview next time, and I think that that's fair. And there are people who do that. There are people who tweet out about injuries and make jokes about it or light of it. If a player doesn't want to talk to you after that, I think you got to understand that that's the case. So, you know, there is a line somewhere for journalists and beat writers as well. I have never felt, honestly, that I err on the side of a supportive analysis of the Colorado Rockies. I, I've, I mean, there are several times especially earlier in my career before I was at DNVR, before when it was BSN, when I was just doing the Purple Row blogger thing, I was very critical of the team. I ripped them over the Troy Tulowitzki trade. Um, you know, I was, I was a bit more fireballing about it back then. And I, I would admit there is an extent to which being down there every day, and I, I actually, this is what I'll say. I don't think it's it's as much like a conscious decision of, I think they're going to be mad at me if I go and write and say this very critical thing of them. It's, I'm there every day. I look at these guys in their eyes every day. It's, I'm in their house. It's a very personal space they let us into. And, yes, I've still got a job to do. And I believe, and, and, and again, I feel like I could provide plenty of evidence that if you were to go and listen to all of my post-game interviews, I ask very pressing and difficult questions uh, of Bud Black and of players after games, after tough games that they lose. But they're always fact-based, and they're always about baseball. They're never about, is there a drama with your teammate? What do you think of so-and-so? Um, what do you think of so th- this other person's contract? What do you think about the other team or the, the games you got coming up next? If I, You know, if it's a baseball question. But it is, it, it's a tough line to walk because I know that for some people, if they aren't getting a, a not even just a critical look of the team, but a, a, a negative look of the team. They feel like they're not getting the whole picture. And rewatching a lot of these baseball documentaries has reminded me that, like, baseball is just about losing. And so I just don't see it that way. And, and that, I think, is the big perspective difference. It's really not optimist or pessimist. It's not pro-Rockies or anti-Rockies. 
Uh, it's not access or not having access. And now, that, honestly, now that I'm in the BBWAA, um, not to whatever, not to pull out and put Manscaped stuff on the table, the Rockies would have a very, very, very difficult time kicking me out. I would have to really cross some lines for them to take away my access. And again, not to whatever, but like, like if I wrote just a scathing critique and said the Rockies are going to be terrible, they're going to be awful, they're going to lose 100 games, every move they've made is stupid, the Ian Desmond contract is the worst thing in the world, Jeff Bright at alienated uh, Nolan Arenado and should be fired, if I just went down the list and did all of it, um, might I get a phone call? And somebody being like, really? Do you believe all this? And someone trying to talk me out of it and someone trying to, yeah, that would probably happen. But would I have my access revoked? Absolutely not. Uh, so I think it's important for people to understand that. Not only for that reason, but I want people to understand that my analysis on this podcast or in articles is 100% authentic. I try to give the other side of well, you know what I think? I always try to say this, too. Through all of my defending of Ian Desmond, was there anybody who listened to this podcast who didn't know how poorly he was performing? No. Right? Did I lie about it? Absolutely not. So as long as you're fully well-informed, I feel like I'm doing my job. And if you, if someone needs to you know, seek out the, the more negative opinion, I feel like there, there are a plethora of them in the ecosystem. Um that also may be part of why I err on the side of of what I do, but I, I think it really does come back to your final point where you said it. For me, it's it's just more valuable to understand uh, the nuance of life and the what-ifs of life, and I have a very difficult time coming to absolutist conclusions about much of anything, and, and I tend to... <laughs> I guess there's a sort of irony in that, if I do have a knee-jerk negative reaction to something, it's hearing somebody say with absolute authority something like, Ian Desmond's the worst player in the National League and should be DFA'd. Or, I have this number, WRC plus 120, tells me that Nolan Arenado is only slightly above average. Or... Look at the splits, Coors Field, Coors Field. Whatever, it is, and, and that's what you've heard out of me. Whatever it is when you hear when I get the most impassioned, that's the common denominator. That's the thread is the, is the people who, it's not the people. It's not even about the people. It's about the, the narrative. It's the notion. It's the concept that we know 100% for sure what the manager should have done or what the GM should have done or what the players should have done in a game that's all about failure, that's built to make you fail, where no one has been perfect, where everybody has things on their resume they're embarrassed about. We just got a guy into the Hall of Fame who one time forgot how many outs there were in the inning and handed the ball to a dude in the crowd. <laughs> like we, that's, you can't be perfect in this game and so um, I just find those stories more interesting uh, I, I find it more fascinating but if people ever wonder oh Drew is you know is Drew afraid that if he's critical of the team he'll have access revoked no um, is Drew saying positive things about the Rockies because he grew up a fan of them no um does Drew, uh, the the one I think along these lines, and I'll I'll finish with this that comes closest to the truth that I've sort of I was going to say been accused of. That's a bit strong. That has been floated my direction is that once I get to know the ball players a bit, I have a harder time like ripping them to shreds. Which shouldn't I mean? Come on, shouldn't that be just true? And and in general, I hope it's not. I try not to do that to people I don't know. Like, I think a lot of us have gotten in a bad habit through things like Twitter and Facebook or whatever where because we don't know somebody, we feel like we can just tear them to shreds online, especially if they happen to be rich and famous. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't have any feelings. I told this story on uh, 
the radio show that I do on Fridays with Brady Hole on 1310 KFKA up there in Greeley. They'll be covering Rockies games whenever they, they'll be um, pl- broadcasting Rockies games when they come back. Um, but my girlfriend Caitlin and I just watched the second Wreck-It Ralph movie. And it was a lot of fun. You know, there's video game characters doing stuff, being things. And this is the one where they go to the internet, having a lot of fun. But there's one part of the movie that really, really got to me emotionally. And I knew it was going to the second I saw what was happening. And it's when he walks into the room with the comment section. And when he starts to read all the comments from people about his weight or his size, how he looks, his game is fun. And he's such this like earnest guy that I was just so heartbroken for him because no earnest, no truly like just honest human being who's never experienced this stuff should have to read a comment section on Twitter or Facebook or any of these places. I'm lucky that I've grown a hard skin to it. And, you know, at this point, it's pretty difficult to to get at me on there. But there are people, and I know some reporters who are this way, who think it's a badge of honor to be able to behave that way, to be able to go in and kind of just be that way and write those things and tweet out a storm and and not care if the players like you or not, or even think it's a badge of honor if the players hate you or the GM hates you. That means you're doing your job or the fans hate you, whoever. And I just, for me, that is not the path. That's how I'll put it. I, I just, I, I, I don't think that's a good way to operate with anybody. It's it's not about whether you like me or, or hate me. It's it's actually it's not about me at all. It's just about a pleasant human interaction. And so, you know, I think we can all be a little nicer on Twitter and that can it, it can be okay to just be friendly with people in real life. And so in the clubhouse, like, yeah, if I get to know a guy a little bit, I get to know his family a little bit. Yeah, I'm probably less likely to slam him for not hitting a baseball hard, but I'm still going to write about it. I'm still going to talk about it. It's my job. I'm not going to lie to you ever. So I'm not sure what the value is of, you know, I come on here and I say Ian Desmond struck out four times in the game and left eight guys on base. That's what he did. That's what happened. It was tough. And I might say, you know, I, I still don't think he should be cut. And that might make you infuriated that I don't agree with you that they should launch the guy into the moon. But ultimately, you've got the facts in front of you and you can feel however you want. <laughs> and you should. Not everyone who listens to this. That's another thing. I just, you know, when do we decide that everyone who listens to a podcast or, or listens to the television has to feel the same way as the people? We can, we're adults unless you're not an adult listening to that. We're, we're human beings. We can agree to disagree and, and move along our way. But that, that's why I sort of operate the way that I do there, Michael. I, I, I think that you got to a lot of it, but most of it comes back to who am I to, to make it personal ever? And that's the only time it becomes a problem. Um, I, I think that the people who really, truly believe that I'm not critical enough of the team, it's about tone. It, it, it's about throwing fire and rage. Because if, if you actually, you know, I, I did this. I don't know if I've told this. I, I'll sign off on this. I probably, I've said that a couple times. I'm, I'm signing off for sure on this one. Um, I don't know if I've told this story in the podcast or not before. But somebody hit me up on Twitter one time with this. You're never critical of the team. You're never critical of the team. And so, and and for whatever reason, I, I get this probably once a month from somebody. And more often than not, I just shrug it off because there's so many of you I interact with and it's just so much fun. And, and who cares about this one person showing up, mess up our party once a month. Um, but sometimes it gets a little more prevalent and... and for whatever reason, this one got to me. And I responded to this person. Um, I, I went through the 
I don't know why I took the time to do this, but I, I just sent him 10 links of articles where the headlines were things like, you know, Rockies totally screw up, whatever, you know, or just, I mean, I, I picked some, some pretty harsh ones. One I wrote this last offseason was, you know, Rockies have a red wedding of an offseason. All I did was compare it to a time in a fictional television show where a whole family of people are murdered. Um, but I sent this guy this link. And he responded, almost all of these, you end on a happy note. You find some positive thing at the end of it about the future. It was also from the year... 2018, a year in which the Rockies went on to win 91 games. And so those little things about the future possibly turning around ended up being right. But it didn't matter because I could write 1,500 scathingly critical words and then 200 of like, but you never know. And I'll admit, I prefer to end an article with a little bit of, of hopeful whatever. I don't want you to feel like you just got punched in the gut after reading whatever I wrote, especially if you took like 15 minutes to read it. <laughs> I'll admit it. But it's not because I won't be critical of this team. Um, and hopefully there will be a team to be critical of. Again, here very soon we'll get back to baseball, hopefully before too long. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening in to this kind of meandering episode of the podcast i'll admit but uh with some stuff i had to put together at the last minute so i appreciate you bearing with me remember to follow everybody on social media make sure you're subscribed to all the podcast stuff and subscribe to the dnvr.com swing by well digitally of course which is how you would anyway uh, the merch shop get yourself some cool stuff Remember, if you really are wondering how to support DNVR during these times, you can support any one of our fantastic sponsors, and that really does do the trick. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.